Hello, welcome to Spotlight, an artistic universe on a small island. Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. This evening, we hear how the island's fairies might not be quite as sweet as you think they are. The official launch of a new album from Manx singer Ruth Kagan and harpist Rachel Hare finally takes place. And Ruth also pops on her other hat to bring us up to date with some Manx education opportunities. And how do you judge poetry? As always, do get in touch with any creative, artistic endeavours you may be involved in, planning, hoping to create or would really like to put in the spotlight. Be they poetic, visual, theatrical, musical, literary, mime, etc, etc. Just email me spotlight at manxradio.com or if you prefer, of course, direct Howard Kane with an E at manxradio.com. So, hands up if you say hello to the fairies at the Fairy Bridge. Or, God forbid, you've tied a request to the tree there, which seems to be permanently festooned with decaying ribbons and paper. Now, whilst the theory is, if you don't say hello to the fairies, something bad will happen to you after passing through the bridge, which makes you wonder if they're that way inclined, the fairies, why on earth they'd want to grant you your wishes just because you've littered up their front door with some bits of paper. A new online talk, just released by Culture Van, seems to suggest the fairies were considerably more malevolent than just letting down the odd car tyre and aren't the cutesy pink tutued beings we may sometimes imagine them as now. As I suggested, to the online and educational resources officer at Culture Vannon, James Franklin. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, there's none of your happy, jolly, kind, bewingered young girls out here. This is the real stuff. If you look in um, actual Manx accounts of the little fellas, they're all things to be very, very wary of. Um, you're not going to get any favours from him. You're far more likely to be beaten up or have a fiddlestick stuck in your eye or to be punched in the face or to be killed or to be stolen or other things like that. You know, this is the real world of the little fellas. Why do you think it's an interesting concept that because you do think now most people will think of little fairies being a female, pretty and very benevolent. And yet we seem to have flipped it on its head. If you go back to the actual real folklore, the stories and things that did people did believe, they were quite the opposite. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the case across uh, the history of the little fellas in the Isle of Man. The earliest accounts go back into the 17th century. We're talking back a very, very long way through to uh, the modern day. Because, of course, people are still in, of course, like you and I, Howard, who still believe in the little totally. fellas. And... Um, Absolutely. It's 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 the nature of the world around us. It's not just a nice, happy place. It's a dark, mysterious, strange, wonderful place which you need to take care in and um, have wonder and awe for. And that's a, a part, certainly, of the space in which these little fellas operate. The other thing that grabs you, I think, and I don't know whether this is the march of time or technology or science... But the belief, you, you, you read some of these stories, you look at them, and there was a genuine belief there. Now, generally, people will stop at the ferry bridge or go to the other ferry bridge at Kiwego or whatever, but it's more seen as a bit of fun, perhaps, or it's sort of in contact with folklore. There's not a real belief, which you get the impression that there genuinely was. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And a lot of what uh, belief 
is. It's not something which is just added on to your life. It's a way of living your life around these sorts of things. And it was certainly interwoven into the lives of the Manx and the way people lived back in the past, and for some people still today. It's very much, there wasn't a question of, do they exist or not? It's not a thing you believe. They do, and you simply um, acknowledge it, or you are open to suffering the consequences. <laughs> and these could be pretty pretty vile at times. Again, they had a certain smell, apparently, so you could, you could tell, which... Which you, again, wouldn't normally think, but apparently that there was a definite scent. You could tell whether the fairies had been around. Yeah, they smell like they smelled like goose dung, and <laughs> and so, and so if you're out and about and you smell a mysterious smell of goose dung, what you should do is not complain about it, because if because you'll know that this is the little fellas and they're close by making a smell, and so what you want to do is just remain uh, straight-faced about it because there are stories of people who um, said, oh, what a pong, this is awful. And of course, they're the ones who um, never smell again or perhaps in some instances they might end up dying that night. And there's a good scatological link here because not only did they smell of goose dung, but apparently <laughs> the use of, uh, of um, our own pee would seem to be an effective way of getting rid of them. Oh yeah, there's uh, nothing more effective than getting with the little fellas than a good manxman's wee. Um, they, uh, despite having the smell which they do, they don't like smelly things. And so, uh, what could be more smelly than uh, urine? And so there's a nice story of a couple of fellas coming home late at night over the hills and they see a house all lit up and there's party going on. And they have a look in and sure enough, everyone's in there having a good old time. And they start dancing away and having a good time. But one of them goes out and relieves himself against the edge of the house. And suddenly, the house disappears. And with his friend inside too. And he's no idea what's going on, but obviously it's something of the little fellas. And years later, he comes back by the same way and he sees the house there. And the party going on and he goes inside and there's his mate inside still dancing. And he pulls him outside and his mate says, what are you doing? What are you doing? I've only just got here. But sure enough, he wheezes against the house and against his mate. And his mate remains behind as the house disappears. And thus he is saved by we. The mind boggles. It must be one of the few recorded <laughs> instances of someone being saved by we. Wonderful. Obviously, James and I, ours wouldn't work, clearly. Uh, but, but it's a great link, I think, again, you do feel reading these stories and hearing these stories. It's, it also reflects the way we live and that now we're, we're sort of so cushioned from the wind and the weather. And unless you actually do live and perhaps live in a, in a farming community or whatever, we're quite removed from that. You read these and you think, yeah, people were much more in contact with the land, in contact with animals, in contact with the seasons, and their lives were far more affected by that. Yes, I think so. And I think it also says a lot about uh, continued ownership in some sense of the land. It's not, of course, it's not ownership. It's a sense of passing down these stories. And I think it's so important that these stories are passed down and that we hear the stories of the land and of the landscape all around us, which makes things like this talk by Stephen Miller so important to have recorded and now to make online available for anyone to listen to. So tell us a bit about Stephen Miller. Stephen Miller, I think it's fair to say, is the greatest living Manx folklorist. He is the expert, certainly here at Culture Van, um, who we go to to find out about these sorts of things. 
He was given the RBB in 2020, the Isle of Man's um, highest award for cultural work, for this sort of work in folklore and in Manx music, these folkloristic sorts of studies. And he um, doesn't actually live in the Isle of Man, he's a Manxman, but he lives away in Austria. And so it's very rare for him to come back. And so when he came back earlier, a few months ago, we and the Celtic Congress teamed up to use the opportunity to put on a lecture or his talk in the Centenary Centre in Peel. And it was a sellout crowd. And I think many people knew his name, but no one really knew how witty, entertaining and brilliant a speaker he was. And this really comes across and these stories really came alive for everyone at the time. And we are very lucky to be able to film it and to put it out now online for anyone to see. It's fascinating stuff. I must admit, we could fill an entire programme with fairy folklore and stories about this. If people weren't lucky enough to see it live then, where can they go now to see this? Um, on the Culture Van Inn website or on YouTube. Just search for Culture Van Inn or Stephen Miller and you'll get it that way. I'll never have a pee in the country again without thinking about this to tell you. Uh, you a believer? Absolutely. Who wouldn't be? You have been warned. Don't forget to say hello as you go through the bridge. Oh, Lord knows what they'll do. And you can't pee in them. It's not allowed in the road. The beautiful sounds of Ruth Kagan and Rachel Hare from their new album, Lovin'. Now, whilst the album has been out for a few weeks, the official launch had to be delayed, but is now taking place at the Erin Arts Centre on the 19th of this month, as Ruth explained to me. It came out on the 8th of July, um, so in Manx National Week, um, and yeah, it's an 11-track album with myself and the Scottish harpist Rachel Hare, who is no stranger to the Isle of Man. How did you and Rachel first get together? Gosh, it would probably be, we met about 10 or 11 years ago and um, she'd been visiting the Isle of Man. She's been, um, she's now married to a Manx musician, Adam Rhodes, from bands like Mechlear and Emar. Um, he's very well known and he also played in King Curly as well, um, who some of your listeners will remember, um, Manx band. Um, mm. But she's also the visiting harp teacher here. Um, she teaches uh, once a month um, and has a, a little army of Manx harp students and one of whom actually won BBC Two folk, Young Folk uh, Musician of the Year, Mira Royal, um, a few years ago there. I remember, yeah. Yeah, so um, Rachel and I met, yeah, a few years ago now. I think it was actually in a session um, down in somewhere like the Albert in Port St Mary and um, I was actually singing some Scottish Gaelic um, songs and she looked across the room who's that singing uh, songs from my homeland? You know, I think it perked up her ears because she wasn't used to hearing Push to Beal being sung in the Isle of Man. So, um, yeah, we'd worked on various projects together uh, in different ways and different guises over the years. And because of our, our diaries not always, like, matching up, you know, she's busy, I'm busy, we'd never actually gotten the chance to do much together, but we were then asked to do something uh, for the Edinburgh International Harp Festival. I think that was back in 2017, and we realised that we really clicked, you know, doing stuff together as a duo, um, and that was the start of it. 
so there's an official launch now coming up down at the Erin Arts Centre, what, on the 19th? Yeah, the 19th of September, indeed, on Monday uh, evening. So we were to be uh, playing in the Manannan Festival back in June, but sadly COVID hit, so uh, we were unable to do that. But this is the rearranged uh, album launch, and we'll be joined by the fantastic fiddle player from Peel, Isla Callister. Um, so she's going to be coming. She guested on the album. So, um, yeah, we're really looking forward to doing that. Starts at 7.30pm um, on that Monday night, and tickets are £17 if you're over 18 or just £2 if you're under 18 as per the Erin Arts Centre. Wonderful um, thing that they do for uh, young people there to encourage them to come along to gigs and concerts. Marvellous. So be there or be square, as they say. The album itself, is it all, I believe there are guests on it, it's not all just duos. No, it's not. I mean, mostly it would be duo um, music because we kind of like to showcase us as a duo, but we've got a few different guests on. As I say, the aforementioned Isla Collister, um, Manx fiddle player based in Glasgow now, and she plays on um, like three tracks. We've also got Manx um, musician Adam Rhodes so on Bazooki, who also recorded the album for us. Um, and so he's on about two or three tracks. And then there's a, a guy called Adam Brown, who's on the Baram as well and he's on about two as well so it's sort of dotted about just for a little bit of extra texture and timbre in there um, a little bit of pizzazz yeah well bringing the bazooki as well because i suppose the other instruments very much associated with celtic music bazooki i suppose you think greek roots is it well yeah i think it has got greek roots so you actually find it being used more and more i think it's definitely a, a quite a used in the irish scene and I, I know a lot of people play bazooki and julie fowlis the uh, fab scottish singer her husband and uh, co-musician plays the bazooki it's quite a distinctive sound i love the sound of the bazooki works really nicely with the harp as well and one of the tracks we've got it on actually sounds almost quite christmasy to me um it's definitely not christmasy <laughs> but it could could be sort of like a little christmas advert sort of music at the start it has this descending feel very very uh, sparkly and nice I was reading a couple of reviews of the album before I came to have a chat with you and uh, there was one which said it's the most beautiful album I've listened to this year, which is, uh, I thought was rather nice, but also saying obviously it's all sung in Gaelic and there was a suggestion that you can sort of look at translation or get the translations. Do you think, do you think it actually is important for people to understand the words to actually add something to the music or does it stand alone regardless of whether you're a Gaelic speaker or not? Well, as a singer, I always like to know what the words mean. So I'm obviously a little bit more biased towards actually like going and finding the liner notes or the lyrics for songs and finding out what they mean. But that's just me personally. But I've had so many people over the years saying to me, you know what, it doesn't matter that I don't know what the, the words mean. I can sort of sense the emotions in the songs, um, you know, and the way that those are conveyed. And I think you know, it's different for everybody, isn't it? Everybody takes something different from music and whether that's understanding the lyrics and wanting to know and really get into those uh, or actually liking the instrumentation and the way that the voice, you know, fits in with that. It, it, there's something for everyone, really. But you can find the lyrics if you want to. Um, so you can find them on my website. You can just go along to ruthkegan.com forward slash lyrics and they're all there. So you can find them in Manx and you can find them in English, you know, sat by side. So that's quite nice especially for people who, you know, are learning Manx as well, um, because it's a nice sort of, songs are such a good way to transmit language and um, you can actually sit and have a look at them and think, ah, oh, that's what that means, okay, cool.
tickets are available online at ticketsource.co.uk forward slash Centre in person. The box office number 835858 or email hello at or one com. Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Now it's that time of the year again. Yes, party pieces, party poppers, patriotic flag waving. It's all promised at the Gaiety Theatre this very weekend. For what's always a highlight in the island's entertainment calendar, that's because this year's Cleveland medal winner Paul Costain's teaming up with Manx Concert Brass for the 2022 Manx Last Night of the Proms. Fun is guaranteed. It's on Saturday, September the 10th at the Gaiety Theatre, 7.30pm. Something for everyone. Manx Concert Brass chairman Phil Shimon says, I think it's fair to say whenever we've been fortunate to perform alongside Paul, he always delights the audience with both his music and showmanship. And this year's proms will be no different. I'm absolutely sure that is right. It will be terrific stuff. Lots of favourites under the baton of musical director Ian Clegg. Customary classics, of course, such as Elgar's Pomp and Circumstance, Land of Hope and Glory, the Radetzky March, Paris, Jerusalem. They're all there. It's something for everyone, whether you're a bit of a lightweight or a more serious music lover, whether you want to turn up as you are or come in all your pomp and finery and bring your hooters and hats and lordy knows what else. Just bring your good vocal cords for a sing. Tickets £18 for adults, £15 concession, £5 under 16 You can get them from the Welcome Centre, the Villa Marina box office, of course, 600555 or com. Now, whilst I had Ruth in the hot seat at Manx Radio, or at least I was down her HQ, to be honest with you, I grabbed a quick word with her as well about Manx and upcoming chances to get involved in learning our native tongue. Indeed, yes. Culture Van and have a range of free learning opportunities to get involved with, whether you're a complete beginner or you already have some Manx and you want to build on those skills. So on Wednesday the 14th and Thursday the 15th, of September there is a four-week taster course starting up and that's either you can go on online on zoom which is the one on Wednesday lunchtime or you can go to one on Thursday lunchtime at Henry Bloom Noble Library in Douglas so if you're sitting in in you know in Douglas and thinking oh I quite like to do something at lunchtime and um, you know try something new that might be a good thing to go out and hop out and do at lunchtime. What sort of people actually come to Manx classes these days do you see a real mix? A real mix, yeah, definitely. And with going online for some of the classes as well, so 50% of the classes I teach are on Zoom and 50% are in person, we're also finding, you know, there's people from all over the world joining us learning Manx, and some of them have Manx heritage and some of them are interested in language generally. But of course, going on Zoom also means that if you've got folk in the island who can't travel to get to a lesson, it's making it way more accessible for them. So it's trying to be as inclusive as possible. So that's really what the aim of the game is, to try and open it up to as many people as possible. And do you think it is that sort of interest in perhaps family history, people interested in tracing their roots, which drives it? Because it seems that as the years go by, that there's more and more interest in finding out about Manx culture and particularly the Manx language. 
Well, I think, you know, Manx is growing in popularity in terms of people finding out about Manx and wanting to learn it. And they're seeing it as being relevant and important and a special part of what makes the Isle of Man what it is, you know. Um, But also learning a language is really, really good for your mental health. It's so great in terms of giving your brain a boost it can be something to really get your teeth in and to and, and you know learn a new skill but you can meet loads of new people as well um, so you can become part of a, a new community as well so it's a really nice thing to do I really like coming across people that I've never met before who speak Manx because it just means that the community is growing to you know huge amounts of people so we've got thousands of people speaking Manx which is great and just give us those contact details again, then people thinking, you know what, might give it a crack. Come along for the first time, the best uh, way to get in contact. Well, yes, you can email me. Um, so that's manxlanguage at culturevannon.im. And my name is Ruth. Um, you can also pop in, if you know you're passing St. John's, pop into Culture Vannon. We're just next to the Bunskull Gilgak, um, a couple of doors down from Green's Cafe as well, if uh, if email's not your thing. Um, you can also write to us, and that's Fairfield House, Main Road, St. John's, and that'll make sure that'll get to us. My Manx is hopeless, but I think it's good in my head. Shake the bay, that's it. Well done, go to my head. So what are you waiting for? Get learning. You might even get a free Cavender Hay. Now, as we heard on Manx Radio a few days back, Manx, a new Manx bard has been appointed, Michael Manning. He replaces Owen Atkinson. One of Owen's last tasks was to help to decide who was going to replace him. But just how do you judge poetry and who will be a good bard? To find out more, Philly Gorn spoke to Owen on the day the new bard was chosen. Poetry can be um, performed, spoken outside, in the streets, at events. Poetry is so important um, in terms of expression for the performer and also for empathy for the audience, right? You can understand so much about somebody else, about life experiences, about emotions, about all of this stuff through poetry and through hearing poetry and through performing your own poetry you understand more about yourself and it's it's really a way to get in touch with emotions whether that be your own or somebody else's um like emotions storytelling um there's just so much magic in there and um, and it's really nice um to be in spaces like this um and to have got to curate spaces like this over my past year where people appreciate that i think my inspirations have grown over the year as the bard um, because i've been asked to write poems for specific events right so for example um in may um the team at Peel Cathedral invited me to Cathedral at Night, which is a, an event that um, celebrates um, cathedrals around Europe at night time. And I got to go and visit the cathedral at night time and write a poem about it. I never would have thought to have done that. I never would have been in, even in a position to visit a cathedral at night had I not been the bard. So um, that can be an inspiration. Uh, an interaction with another person can be an inspiration. Um, a, a particularly strong emotion, anger, uh, pain, but also joy, excitement. And, and in terms of poems, I mean, how, 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 how you actually go about judging uh, a thing like this. Uh, I mean, I, I, I often try um, and look at a poem and, and, and look for certain things about it, but ultimately uh, you, you know when, when you've found a winner because it's, it just you know, automatically moves you in some sort of way or it, it jumps, jumps out from the page, doesn't it? That's exactly it, yeah. I mean, there are certain technical things that you can judge poetry on, right? Use of imagery, um, structure, whether there be rhyme, internal rhyme, rhythm, all of that stuff, yes, is important, but ultimately, great poetry does not need to be kind of um, picked apart like that. You just know. You just feel it. It's that emotional engagement. It's that impact. It's that power. It's when 
it's that, that moment of silence after someone's finished where you think, wow. You know, and I think that um, we had many of those moments during the judging um, uh, this year. Um, and I think, the, you know, from my opinion and from the judges' opinion, um, the best of those moments goes to our, you know, our next Max Bar. We look forward to hearing more from Michael Manning in the coming months, of course. That's about it for this week. Don't forget, if you want to hear anything again, go to maxradio.com, download the Spotlight podcast, listen at your leisure, whatever you're doing. Unless, of course, you're a scuba diver or maybe a monk. Drop me a line with any artistic thoughts or ideas. Stay creative. I'll see you next week. Cheerio. Cheerio.